good morning and welcome to the 11th episode of Classical Voice Canada, where we meet artists and discuss classical voice together. I'm your host, Kira Braun, and I'm so very glad you've joined us today. Our guest this morning is Colombian-Canadian tenor Favian Arciniegas. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today for Classical Voice Canada's 11th podcast episode. We're so excited to have you on the show today, Fabian. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And thank you for having me here. Yes, it's wonderful. And we were chatting a little bit earlier. You said that things have changed for you a little bit, but you're doing really well and you're out in Coburg. I'm actually interested in what Coburg is like because it seems like such a nice, charming countryside place to be. It is a nice, charming countryside place to be. (laughs) (laughs) I am so lucky. And now that when I first came here, I grew up in a big city, so coming coming to a little town was like a huge change for me. So I came here and we moved to this area just because uh, my in-laws were are they still live in Port Hope, which is like Coburg is an hour east from Toronto. We lived almost the first year with my in-laws. Huh. Uh, yeah, and I was I was going to to school at that time, so I was doing that commute, and uh, and so I was living like all oh, the life in Toronto and, and and upper school and all that. It was so cool, and then coming out to to the little town, I was like, it's beautiful, but I I I like the big city, and I wanted to move there. But then we had a a baby and then the area is so beautiful and raising kids. I was like, okay, I'll just commute and and, and let's live here. And it's more affordable than than living in Toronto. So so we decided, okay, let's stay here. And uh, now, (laughs) 10 years later, it's like the best decision. It's so beautiful and uh, I have space and I can sing loudly and (laughs) we live like a less than a block 200 meters from the beach so it's just paradise wow yeah so during the pandemic we just went to the beach every day the big beach was closed but we live close to a, a it's called pebble beach i think i don't know it's just like a rocky beach but it's perfect it's perfect <laughs> that's so great so yeah. how old are your kids now or is there just how many kids have you got two two kids um one is na uh, it's sorry it's 10 and the little one is uh, four. Oh, that's amazing so nice <laughs> <laughs> do they love it when you sing and um, no no not really because uh <laughs> it's noisy oh that you're too noisy too no, no yeah. i'm trying to speak i'm tra- no no it's <laughs> yeah kids these days but eh? they do like to sing so that's that's cool that's great when you were little did you sing all the time all the time i can just picture you <laughs> I, it, and it's so funny because um, I I teach a little girl. I don't like t- working with kids, but I took this one because she's little, like really little. And she's like, well, now she's like six, I think. But uh, she started, her parents were like, they're from India. Ah. And uh, they told me she just likes to sing. Her grandma is a, a famous singer in India, and I sing all the time. And now she sings all the time, and she sings all the time. <laughs> um, so, I, so I, I was like, I was just like that when I was little. Like I <laughs> see myself on her because it's like never stop, and I still sing every day. Like I have to open my mouth and make make sounds. That's awesome. And when you were small, did you did your family recognize that you were singing all the time? And did they take you for music lessons or anything like that? Uh, 
not well they recognized that i liked singing and that i was very musical but at the time no not really i never took like proper voice or music lessons when i was little and then they took me to the to the conservatory when i was maybe uh, 13 or 14 i started to doing some some music lessons then but i i was doing more guitar i was not doing uh, singing and i although i was like uh, always singing i did I, i started doing like guitar but then it was horrible because i wanted to be a rock singer <laughs> And uh, I wanted to play like electric guitar, but the options in the conservatory were none. <laughs> oh, was this in Colombia? Yes, in Cali. I'm from a city named Cali, Colombia. Okay, interesting. But the rock singer idea, I think you could probably do that for sure. How's your guitar now? I can accompany myself tunes in yeah. parties and things like that, but I don't feel confident enough to work as accompanying myself professionally no but but that's me so people oh you should totally do that so yeah <laughs> it's daunting right and i think it's also amazing to me those singers who can accompany themselves on any instrument and sing well at the same time it's quite a gift i was once in a master class with ben hepner And at the end of the masterclass, he told us like that he could accompany himself playing. He sang some rock and roll in the piano for us. And it was so amazing. Huh? And then he told us the story that he did that in a concert. I think it was in Madrid, like after hours, they asked him to sing something after all the bass, the encores, and he ended up playing that. So I was like, oh, I admire you. I want to do that. <laughs> Well, I was going to ask you, was there someone who has inspired you early on? Maybe you saw Ben Hepner later in your educational life or in your singing life, but was there a singer that you looked up to or first heard and went, oh, I want to do that? There was this singer that I just admired, but I never thought about being like him. At the time, I was very little and my parents were huge fans from a Spanish singer. Uh, his name is Rafael, and uh, he was big in the 70s and 80s and huh. 90s, I guess. But he, he was one of those monsters in the scene. Like, he was very dramatic when he sang. I don't know, I was always grabbed by that. So uh, I think that was like my first influence in terms of how I am on scene. Like, huh. I cannot just stay still and sing no no i've noticed that about you there's no park and bark <laughs> with fabian uh, yeah i i tried because that was supposed to be like oh if you're singing lead like leader german leader you cannot gesticulate or anything uh, it was hard because i love doing that i like i love the theatrical aspect of of the thing of the singing So my favorite singers were very theatrical, like that guy, Freddie Mercury in my oh. teens were, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's who I want to be. <laughs> like, that's me on, on the scene and doing all this moment and the yeah. microphone. And I remember doing that in school and people looking at me like, oh, he's crazy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Well, you're outgoing <laughs> and you're not shy. <laughs> that's fantastic. I'm not shy on scene. I'm actually, my wife always tells me, it's amazing how you're not shy in, on scene, but sometimes in certain social situations, I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I hear you on that. People have asked me, well, how do you get up on stage and sing in front of a thousand people? And then when you walk into a room where there's a party and a little bit of a crowd, well, I feel like a bit of a a wallflower and I don't really want to talk to everybody and I'm kind of uncomfortable and that's just, yes yeah. and I, I don't have a problem if I have to speak if I have to like I don't know do it doing like a workshop or things like that or working with people or make them like get let people to get confident and everything I have no problem but then social party and everybody talking no i have this uh, or the business or the situation i'm like oh I, that's when i feel awkward 
Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if that's true for many other artists who are this huge persona on stage and then would just really prefer to not be center of attention in a in a little crowd like that. So it's a it's like the opposite, the extrovert introvert dilemma. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you came to Canada and went to school here. I know that you have a degree in opera performance from U of T. And you said, I think that's been about 10 years now. I moved to Canada in 2010. So oh, wow. To start school. You're still new. (laughs) I don't feel new anymore. But but yes, 10 years ago. Oh, that's great. Are you a Canadian citizen now? I am. I am adopted. Yes, I love it. Um, Oh, I'm so happy for you. (laughs) That's just great. It's it's great. For about 10 years now, you just burst out of the opera school and began singing professionally pretty much right away. How did it go for you? Uh, I don't know. It's it's been a bumpy road. My my professional singing life has been like a, a... It's been weird. Uh, because I, I'm going to go back a little bit uh, before Canada. Uh, I started studying voice because I wanted to be a rock singer, right? And I sang in bands in school. And yeah. it was fun. And uh, then I wanted to take lessons. And I remember I went to this guy. And, uh, uh, and, 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 and when he heard me, I was little. I was like, a, I don't know, maybe 16 or something like that and he'd say oh you you're never going to be an opera singer because oh. you don't have the voice uh but you can be uh, like a pop singer and uh, then i told him oh yes i like uh, michael jackson and i like uh Freddie mercury and i like Raphael and all these things and he's no but they don't know how to sing oh. you you're going to learn my technique and then i told I, I went to my parents and i told them oh i found this guy and he's going to teach me to be the best singer uh and they say, and, but he says that uh, Rafael, he's not a good singer. And my parents is, were like, what? Rafael is the best singer. I'm not going to pay those lessons. <laughs> so they didn't let me study with him. Later, I, uh, I, uh, I was told that he was really like a really bad, bad, bad teacher. <laughs> but um, so my parents saved me from that one. Uh, but I started studying like with a, with an, with a famous retired old lady uh, opera singer in Colombia but I, I was not interested she just made me do a lot of exercises that I didn't understand or anything I remember do you know Lisa di Chamonix the, the opera the Donizetti opera there's a, this aria oh, di questa anima. I remember singing oh, di questa anima, and doing scales with oh, di questa oh, yeah. anima, but I had no idea what the, that was or anything. <laughs> anyway, and uh, then I went to the conservatory and I started doing like classical because that's what they were teaching. Mm-hmm. And I liked the, the, like my voice, I could make it sound like different. And I started enjoying that. So I decided to go classical just because, and then I saw the three tenors, Oh. At the time, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool!" And that's how I got engaged with opera. Then, when I graduated, I studied always as a baritone, always, always. Oh. My teacher, "Oh, you're a baritone. You cannot go high. You're a baritone. You're a baritone." And then every other teacher, "You're a baritone. You're a baritone." Uh, sure, but then when I graduated and I started audition, auditions, uh, everybody was like, "Oh, but you're a tenor." And then I was like, oh, really? But I, I tried, I tried then to sing as a tenor and it was like a huge mess, huge, huge. I couldn't. So I took a job as a, as a voice teacher <laughs> at a university, uh, but it, it was not trying to, it was not a conservatory. It was not trying to make professional singers. Uh, but I discovered that I was really good at making people sing even though I couldn't sing the things they were singing. Like there were lots of pop singers and things like that. Yeah. So I became really good at listening and, 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 and developing vo- like pop voices. I remember I started teaching women to sing. Oh, and then they were 
saying, oh my goodness, that's cool, but I, that's not what I need. I need to learn how to sing like my high notes with my full voice. And I had to learn how to do it, how to make it work for them. Anyway, so I started working more as a teacher and then I never could do that transition as a, as a tenor. So I sort of stopped singing. Oh. like classical and the, in I was living in Colombia there are no opportunities there yeah. really at the time there are lots now okay but at the time in my city there were no really big opportunities to sing hmm. so I did more like teaching at the time yeah but I still had my thing like oh I really want to sing I really want to do that that thing that you need to do it otherwise you're going to be live um I don't know, like frustrated yes. for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, at some point I, when I met my wife, I decided to, at the time we were dating and I decided to start singing again to do concerts and do that as a baritone. So at, at that point we, did, we said, oh, it would be cool. Oh, Colombians, we are, or at the time we were considered very dangerous. Oh for the world right yeah i suppose so because of the like i grew up in cali with uh, the uh drug trafficking and all that the, yeah yes so if you see netflix the third season and uh, they talk about the the drug lords from cali that they were the enemies from the guys from medellin from pablo escobar and everything yeah uh, i lived Lots of like I remember I remember listening to my parents talking about oh they killed someone oh there was a bomb like there was a, a like a bomb exploded like two blocks from my house and we got parts of the of the, it was a car with a bomb and we got parts of the car in our backyard and everything it was like it was crazy times at the yeah wow. Well, okay, let me ask you then, who flipped the switch for you and got you singing as a tenor? So, so I met my wife and I, we decided to, oh, let's try to go to Canada just to visit and see, uh, because we didn't know if we wanted to live in Colombia. Or our original plan was to live in Colombia, get married and live in Colombia. And, but I wanted to study a little bit more. So I said, oh, I want to go to Canada and like meet your parents and everything. But I, it was impossible to get a visa because we are dangerous people. Oh. So never, I could not get a visa to come to Canada. So I said to my wife, I'm going to have to marry you for the visa. <laughs> <laughs> so we got married for the visa. Oh. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but it's sort of true because <laughs> that was the only way I could come here. Wow. So. 10 years later, no, 12 years later and two kids, we're still together. So it was Perfect. a little bit more than the visa. I knew I was a tenor, but I knew I couldn't sing well as a tenor. So I said, I'm going to audition as a baritone and see what happens. And I passed to, to upper, to, I, I, I did, did the thing, the, oh my goodness, the opera school thing they accepted me and it was like an amazing amazing experience for me like it was yes. the best way i think to come here and know how things work in north america and uh, i just had a great a great experience at school i had the, uh, such a fun time there i sang as a baritone and i sang like i i've always been able to fake the sound like the sound it was little it was I was never like a big part but but uh, I remember I, I was standing with my teacher and he was like I hear it a, a, a baritone like a, and I have a, this crazy th theory that my whole life most of my voice lessons were in the morning and I cannot sing high in the morning no matter what <laughs> <laughs> yep yep makes sense <laughs> that's that's my theory so <laughs> so uh but i remember i went once to M mary morrison's studio ah. and uh, just there was like an exchange 
And uh, she was like, what are you doing singing baritone? You are a tenor. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> and uh, and I, I was amazed. I, I, I'm still like amazed with her because I don't know, I've, I saw her maybe after like years after I left school and she was like sharp like her. She's like, hello, how are you doing? Like she recognized me perfectly. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, I, that's just an, an anecdote. So when I graduated from, from upper school, I started auditioning and it was like, yeah, it's nice, but you're a tenor. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay, now I need to t just to do this. And whatever it is, it is. And it was like a very painful transition. <laughs> Interesting. Was that because you had to learn how to form the higher notes? And I never had high, high notes ever. Like, it was just the color of my voice that would tell people that I was I was a tenor, but but really, and I could do like sing a fairly easy G and A, mm -hmm. but but the tessitura was not was was very uncomfortable. So I I, I asked Lorna McDonald the, the mm -hmm. I, I I saw some pedagogy cla lessons classes at U of T. I did like the pedagogy, voice pedagogy classes, and yeah. I loved it. And I loved, I love uh, Lorna's like approach. So she helped me a lot, and in doing the transition, but I I never felt confident. And I think one of the things is that I, uh, looking at the opportunity at, at the at the education, and I think it's. When when people tells you, oh, you are a baritone, you automatically starts to try to fit your voice in the baritone box, no? Yes. So I remember as a young person, my teacher told me, oh, you are a baritone, but you speak very, very high. So you need to start learning to, to try to, to, to speak like a man. <laughs> and I remember, I remember trying to speak like this and then by 6 p.m i i felt this like i felt super tired right. like yeah. my voice was just like so uh but same thing as soon as i said okay i'm going to work as a tenor i started to try to speak higher and i was trying to put my voice in the tenor uh, like in my in my mind what a tenor should sound like so i have lots of moments or and recording I, I have lots of recordings of me trying to sing things better than trying to sing like this trying to sound more like a ten and it's like <laughs> oh, it was as bad as trying to sound lower <laughs> so so i think lots of the the reason why the, the the transition into the tenor voice was so painful is because i was just trying to make my voice fit in in boxes and yeah. not allow my voice be whatever it is and if i cannot sing the high notes i was stressing pushing trying to get them and then uh, it was it was horrible <laughs> but you just said that you didn't feel confident and i when i listen to you i hear such confidence and such beauty in your tenor voice and you have those high notes now so how did you get there? What was there just a turning point? I think I am a really good actor to fake that confidence that you see. <laughs> I'm always like, oh my goodness, is this going to work? <laughs> for a long time, for a long time, I was like, oh my goodness, it was like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm just gonna jump and do it and and. <laughs> many times i failed i had a very a great teacher in in colombia she was from puerto rico she was a very actually like a famous soprano in, she did a great career margarita was her name margarita 
this story, she sang a lot. I know he's controversial right now, but uh, she sang a lot with Placido. And so she told me a lot of stories about him. She told me uh, that he would crack when he was starting every night and he didn't care. So he just sang and crack and he like every night he wouldn't care. He's just, I don't care. I just huh. go and I'm going to crack. Yeah. And, uh, but I don't know, it's at the time people had that freedom of just make mistakes because there's, there's, there's like nothing happened if you crack one night, but now everything is filmed and people have cell phones. So you're all the time trying to, you're putting yourself a pressure of always being perfect. And, uh, and that was, that was not the case before singers would go. And there are lots of recordings of great singers just cracking on stage. Yep. So I think now the, uh, because of the way things are, it's, it puts a, puts a bigger pressure on artists to be perfect all the time. And, uh, I don't know. I think I, I, you're always scared as a tenor. Oh my goodness, am I going to crack? Or at least was my case. Yeah. Huh. And so I still, I feel I like I still like you're always like a work in progress. So I've, I feel better about lots of things, but uh, yeah, I don't know confidence. I don't know. It's good that people don't see this, the, 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 the things that go inside your. <laughs> Yeah, but you figured out how to overcome that and step on stage and you've been on some very big stages, haven't you? Uh, yes, well, the, the thing, the, the good thing is when I got, the thing that got me, that was really start get, giving me confidence as a tenor was when I got my first engagement with COC as a tenor because Sandra okay. knew me, uh, she's the, the, the conductor, she, yes. she knew me as a baritone and uh, she's like, when she heard me, she still gave me the opportunity to sing as a tenor. Uh, same, uh, I did a lot of work with uh, Guillermo Silva, and he yeah. was like super supportive in the most obscure hours of my life. <laughs> <laughs> when I didn't know what was gonna happen. Uh, so I have lots of uh, gratitude to those persons. That's wonderful. Yeah. So, and, but also the thing is, when I realized that my voice didn't fit, I was trying to sing all these areas and, and, and I was trying to sing like opera stuff and all other things, but it still didn't work. Um, I had to, I, I still need to sing something that I just have to do. Yeah. So I started exploring um, other music and uh, I started to work with, uh, I, I did so, I had done some projects before with a, a friend, Maureen, Maureen Bat. She's a soprano and uh, she, she, ha, she has the uh, company, this company, Essential Opera. Yes. And uh, with Erin, uh, her mm -hmm. friend Erin Bardua. Bardua, yeah. And uh, they hired me for some of their productions, and it was so much fun doing those, still as a baritone. But it, with them, I always had fun, and I liked the fact that they didn't do like re standard repertoire. So you were always discovering new things. I did, uh, I did a great show that I still love to do. Uh, to do that was still as a baritone. It was called. Um, the show was called Two Weddings and a Two Weddings and a Funeral, and we were doing a Janis Kiki, and we were doing a little comic opera, Donizetti's comic comic opera called Il Campanello di Notte. I've seen the clip from that. <laughs> I had so much fun doing you that. You looked like it, and you sounded great. <laughs> and, and that that's where you're the animation that you bring to the stage that you were talking about how you don't like to stand still and sing that just shone through. That yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's so much fun. Um, so, uh, but at, at some point when I did the transition, uh, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know what to do. 
So I started exploring other repertoire and more contemporary stuff. And then uh, one day I met with Maureen. I don't remember why, but uh, we we said, oh, we let's do something. And we tried to, uh, we went to a library to try to find repertoire, in, like Latin American composers and things like that. Something that it's not very well known. And, was this and that would be interesting, right? Right. Was that for her Crossing Borders project? Well, that was for, for just a recital, I think. I and see. then when they decided that there were not something that would fit the idea that we had, uh, she said, oh, I have this Crossing Borders uh, project. Uh, if, if, if it's new music and new composers, we could do it through Crossing Borders. So we, we that's when the project changed to crossing borders and uh, we did uh, we, we did a call for scores and it was like super interesting all the music that we received and I already had some something that I wanted to work mm. it was a song cycle from a from from a composer that had been my teacher of uh, harmony and contrapunt and all that in, in school and he's such a great composer so we decided to do that and it was so successful and I start, I, I discovered that I had had so much fun that I, I got interested in doing more contemporary work. Mm. And, and what made me really happy was the fact that because it's new music, there's no reference, so I don't need to think that I have to fit my sound to anything. It's just me. That's liberating for sure. It, it was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so yeah. when I when I started doing that, those those that music, I realized first that I was completely fulfilled as a singer. That it it was that I could be on stage and do crazy things and didn't have to think too much about oh I need to fit something like so mm -hmm. that was yeah you said liberating and then that I wanted to do more of that because well there are thousands of hundreds of tenors singing una furtiva lagrima yeah and and they're all amazing and yes now i can sing una furtiva lagrima and now i can sing la donna mobile that i always wanted to sing yeah and and that i thought how high how a high voice can sing that that high and and, and be free and be and be easy but i said I, I realized that it was also cool to to have the opportunity to bring these composers that nobody is interested in singing, I don't know why. Well, uh, and and do this music. I think it's it's really cool. So yeah, there's, it, it opened a new, like a new world of possibilities. So that's cool. I'm, I'm really enjoying that now. I'm, I'm, I'm do, I, I did that song cycle. I call, I, like two or three years ago, I, I there, they opened this contest in, in, in New York, where Spirey and Wiry, I forgot the name. <laughs> but I told my friend Saman, hey, there's this contest for composers with their singers. Let's do this. Would you be interested? Let's. Yeah. So we go to New York, have some fun. And, Very nice. And he said, sure, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, we applied and they took us. To, and so we went to New York. I told him, uh, Saman, I don't think we should uh, travel together. You know, like you're from uh, Iron, I'm from Colombia, like two guys. That would be like too, 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 too scary, right? At the airport. <laughs> he tra we travel separate, <laughs> separately. Oh. Uh, and we went and we didn't win anything, but we had so much fun. And from that, from that song, he wrote later, he's like, oh, it's cool. I, I, I want to write two more songs and do like a little song cycle for this thing. And then that grew. And then he met with Maureen. And then he wrote something for Maureen. And then the universe 
brought us together again and we said uh, someone uh, I want to make a CD with these things and and we did it that's great well we'll we'll come back to Saman because that's where we're going to close our discussion today but I want to circle back to your philosophy about singing and especially when you said that when you do new musical works there's nobody to compare with right you just sing it the way you're going to sing it that's really great advice i think for any singer i think that i'm guilty of listening too much to the greats thinking oh i have to do my best to sound like her and i listen too much and oftentimes we pick mistakes up from those recordings too when we're listening to, to other people so i want to know more about your philosophy of singing overall and especially now that i've gotten to know you a little more do you sing to live or do you live to sing? And I think it sounds like you live to sing. Yes, I can. I, 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 even if I cannot perform in front of people, I would still have to make noise for the rest of my life. Like <laughs> every day in yep. the shower, like it's, I have to do it. Philosophy. Well, I think North America is producing lots of amazing singers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love the one of the things that I learned here and I, I, I think we need to put in for, for not only for North America but for everywhere is uh, the respect for the human being so I was shocked here for example with uh, how encouraging uh, North Americans are toward their people or like if a student is not that great I feel that people would try to come and try to help to make mm-hmm. it work mm-hmm. and uh, so that's one of the things that I really admire from, from North America and pedagogy and all these things I admire profoundly the curiosity and the that spirit of uh, try to know exactly how things work and I think that that has developed a lot like the voice pedagogy uh, movement like it's I think it's been really important and uh, for example my at university seeing those uh, voice pedagogy classes was like oh my goodness that's what I always wanted I remember trying buying like voice books in Colombia as many as I could find but there are no translations of uh, uh. Richard Miller there are no translations uh, in Spanish of all the Venard and all these big names in pedagogy no there still are not translations and I think it's a shame for 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 Spanish-speaking people we are Spanish-speaking people yeah but but on the other hand I think that there's such a thing as too much looking for perfection yeah. in, the, in, in, in the vocal field. So uh, at some point, I remember being amazed by Fisher Discount, for example. Mm-hmm. But I, now when I listen to, to, to some recordings, I feel that they're not live, like there's no the humanity. Huh. And I feel that sometimes singers are so obsessed with tone perfection and perfect round and beautiful sound that it becomes less human. I think being human is being imperfect and accept those imperfections and make those imperfections art and make them part of your unique sound yeah like for um yeah for example i i don't know i i love salsa music and i I love dancing (laughs) um (gasps) but i i it's the same in in all music the 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 old salsa bands and salsa singers if you listen to the recordings they they are compl- so not perfect you can hear like the trumpets going blah, 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 like yeah 
things like that but yet the the music the albums the recordings are so live and then you listen to modern record salsa recordings and they're perfect but they don't have that flavor that humanity that flavor and i feel a little bit about the same with sing with singers and singing i feel that they're so perfect nowadays that that it's like they're not humans and i prefer someone that is not as perfect but really take me and grab my guts and like really make me cry oh so no. so in, in singing i'm looking for more honesty and less perfection I, i'm 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 looking for for really be moved and trying to and try to move people i'm less concerned about the tone and more concerned about being committed more like an actor would commit to deliver a text motion yes yeah but... so but yes that's beautiful you do need a technique to support that you do yeah the moment you take away the, the that that emotion that, that expression and just think about about the tone about doing this perfectly like it's not that's not not alive so it must be pretty exciting for you when you're teaching to have a student have that moment where they break through and uh their authentic voice with that raw uh sound and the and not holding back when they achieve that that must be really exciting for you yeah you 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 need to get yes you need to get a balance between 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 the technique because you still need to be uh, consistent as a performer yeah but but you can i feel that you cannot how do you say give away like the the, the, the other part so it has it has to come together yeah all the time you have to work on that all the time yeah. and i've i've been i've been uh, obviously uh guilty of just thinking technically and it's it's but it's not good that's you, you don't move people that way mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that's so. that's really interesting i had a wonderful session last week with maureen actually and also allison dane taylor and uh it was just so interesting what the work that they did with me to help me get past needing that perfection <laughs> you know having to sound a certain way and so we turned the music inside out we made mistakes on purpose and we sang the rhythm wrong and did all of these little things and then they said now sing it for real and something different came out of me and and that was like a little moment that i had now i just have to figure out how to do that all the time but <laughs> it was a, a wonderful moment to experience it's, it's yeah it's it's so cool and it's so i don't know it's ah it's yeah it's i love i love the word liberating <laughs> because i feel that I, we're sometimes like trapped it's like i think i was mentioning the 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 before the the pandemic has changed a lot of things in terms of the way i was thinking mm -hmm. and uh made me stop because i also in north america life is way faster than in latin america and it's all about you need to do this and produce 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 yes but uh then when we had to stop i was like okay i'm i'm not happy <laughs> i realized i'm <laughs> i'm not happy <laughs> i don't want to do this yeah. but uh so i i'm resetting things now and try to do the things that make me happier maybe not necessarily uh get, let's go, are gonna get me more money but but you need to find the balance it's not all about yeah. produce you have to produce and produce and produce it's about living life and being fulfilled by the Agreed. things you do and the impact Agreed. you get on other people's lives and things like that no? yes yes very nice words i loved our session today Fabian where we spent about half an hour on some Spanish 
addiction coaching. Thank you for that. And I learned a lot from you. Do you offer uh, coaching on addiction on, to just everybody on a regular basis? Or is that something you just do when people ask you? Basically, when people ask me, I don't, I, I don't feel that there's still enough demand of uh, um, uh, Spanish diction. We need to do more things in Spanish. It's so beautiful. <laughs> okay, you heard that, everybody. More Spanish music, please. Like, I, there's I, tons of Latin American composers in, and people that don't, don't know, have no idea. That's great. And uh, Fabian knows the difference between how to use the diction for traditional Spanish and Latin American Spanish, right? There's a difference. There's a difference, yes. There's a, a difference. It's not super hard to get. It's, it's easy. Yeah, it's it's a dialect, isn't it? It's just a different dialect. Yeah, like the accents. I don't same thing as uh, English. If you sing in a song from uh, England or a song from the States or Canada. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's interesting. I realize that almost every country has different dialects within its own borders and from north to south it's different everywhere what yeah. i never realized was how different venetian italian is from italian typical italian and so that was kind of eye-opening for me huh. yeah the, yeah venetian is different what's your favorite language to sing in then is it spanish it's not english for sure <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know. I think, I think, you know what? I think, yes, I think my favorite language is my language. I like to sing in Italian because it's closer, but really, uh, like, the connection that you get from your own language, like, you cannot replace that. Like, I know exactly how to, like, no matter how, when I, I, I sometimes I listen to singers and they're perfect with their diction, Ah, but you cannot replace the flavor that you get from a, uh, like a, a, like the the speaker. Like I don't know when I listen yeah. to those Italian old Italian tenors, and they sing "Mamma da 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 la tua canzo," and you hear the sun in their voices, <laughs> or uh, the same for for English speaking, like John McCormack. That, that he's like his like songs in they're just perfect, or. Uh, who John Vickers singing singing Messiah uh -huh. like I, I I love it it's just like huh. it's English and, and it's like that's my language like you can totally tell <laughs> I was listening to there's a great version of the of the songs um the Spanish the Obrador songs Patricia she's French Patricia Petitbon Patricia Petitbon and uh, she's great I can totally tell that she's not Spanish, like a Spanish speaking person, but she does a great job. That's you want nice to listen to Very nice. So let's go back now to Saman Shahi and Breathing in the Shadows, a new CD that just was released on September 25th. I remember because I saw it come out, it was very exciting. And it features Maureen Bat and yourself singing pieces that were composed by Saman. So tell us about the pieces that you've brought to our podcast today. I, I listened and honestly, I absolutely love them. I love your sumptuous sound and uh, the pieces are so introspective and real. What was your experience in learning these pieces? And I know that you said you like to explore this modern composition. Tell us about your process and, and what it was like to learn this music. Um, it was, the, the, the poetry was very uh, far from my, I don't know, from, from me. Uh, it's, she, it's from a woman, Yelena Chilik. Oh, I think I mispronounced the name, sorry. Sorry, Yelena. I never met her. I know she went to school with Salmon, uh, but she's uh, from Norway, I think, oh. or something like that. Anyway, she's she's from those Nordic countries, and uh, I can totally tell like the the poetry is like 
deep <laughs> in a way that I'm not used to. Um, well, I shouldn't say I'm not used to. I love mother, and it sounds pretty deep poetry. But anyway, but I, it was this English. So I, I had to 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 try to to say those words and try to make them mine. But it was cool because the way Salmon composes, it, like it's very easy for me to sing, first of all, because he allows me, he, he gives a lot of space to the singer to really like say the words and like paint a little mm. bit with 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 the words and, and gives you like freedom to, to get your sound out. So yes, yeah, so it's, I don't know, I really enjoy working with, with Salmon. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, that's it. So, <laughs> so tell us about the, okay, let me ask you about the coffee song. Everybody loves the coffee song. I loved it. <laughs> uh, it's just so, it's, my wife says, my wife says, oh, it's, it's almost like part of a musical, but it, in a very, uh, I don't know, you can just, when I, I remember when Salmon, gave me that song um, and I, I, I when I started to sing I was like oh you know what I feel this more like a Frank Sinatra song like some more like <laughs> huh. free because oh when Salmon gave me those songs he, he gave me some rock examples like I want this to sound I don't remember what band he told me but like Linkin Park or something like that I was like uh, no, I'm an opera singer. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> uh, but then uh, he, I think he was happy with what I did. Uh, but with uh, another coffee, it's, I don't know, it's just a song that floats. And it it's, really yeah, yeah, it's, and it's like introspective. Like, I don't know, I can totally picture just putting the sugar and, and being, looking at the coffee i don't know it's it's, it's it is fun to sing <laughs> i have a lot of thoughts about that i mean we've we've been hearing that coffee could be extinct in the next 10 to 20 years what will we do without coffee but the the other thing that that song did for me it took me back to thinking of my father and his cup of coffee every morning I didn't spend a lot of time with him, but he would go out in out of the house before everyone else was awake. He lived in British Columbia. Huh. He would go down the road to a little restaurant that looked out over the over the ocean in Cordova Bay, and he would have his cup of coffee all by himself. And I think that he really loved those moments. And I can picture him stirring that coffee and kind of mulling over his life and his failures and his achievements and you know just keeping on stirring and slowly drinking it and he never finished the damn thing really? never finished his coffee so i loved that song for so many reasons um one of which obviously was your sound in that song and so i i really i can't wait to share it with everyone but let's talk about the other two so would you like me to share all three of these songs today well, what, what I don't know, whatever, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, why not, right? I mean, I don't have any rules about that. So let's share all three of them. And just in a, another little pitch for Saman and his CD, Breathing in the Shadows with Maureen and Fabian, I would love for all of you to pick up a copy of this amazing music. I think that you'll all really enjoy it. So Fabian, that takes us pretty much to the end of our list of questions and we've chatted for quite some time. Is there anything else kind of bubbling in your mind that you wanted to add for our listeners? No, just be happy. Try to be happy. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm so, every time when, they, when we're doing the interviews for, for the release video, I, I never know what to answer and it, it, it seemed like there's such a profound that people are expecting for like a profound saying something <laughs> and I'm like I don't have anything really to say 
<laughs> well, profound is better than profane. <laughs> but, you know, I think happiness, that's, that's a huge thing. And especially, as you said, through this pandemic, we had to sort of examine things and uh, slow down in our lives. But that elusive happiness and what I'm learning, even at this age, I'm finally learning that my happiness is not for anyone else to give to me. It's for me to find inside myself. And I think music is a, a wonderful way to explore that and to bring happiness to ourselves, let alone to share it with others and, and bring them some happiness or joy as well. And you do that so very well. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I, have, <laughs> I have fun. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I really enjoyed our discussion. It's been really fun. And you are, you're a fabulous person to talk to and watch. I wish I could have been describing to everyone what I'm seeing on screen here because you're, you're so animated and, and just a joy to speak to. Thank Thanks, you. Fabian. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. As a quick edit to my discussion with Fabian, I've decided to only share one piece from Saman Shahi's song cycle, Orbit, entitled Another Coffee, just because I don't want to give it all away to you. I think you should really get this CD.
You have been listening to tenor Fabian Arciniegas singing Saman Shahi's Another Coffee from the song cycle Orbit, which can be found on the new CD, Breathing in the Shadows. Fabian is accompanied by pianist Tara Scott. Thank you for listening to Classical Voice Canada. We hope you have enjoyed our podcast today.